0: And there it is. I hit the button and the roller coaster leaves the station. I can't wait to get into this conversation. My guest today is an absolute badass. He's an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, a business leader, a speaker, a thought leader, and the co host of Frontline Innovators, CEO and co founder at Skillful, Justin Lake. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thank you for having me, Casey. That was a very long intro. I don't feel like I do enough things to justify that uh, intro.
0: Oh, I should have made it longer. What are you talking about? Uh, Yeah, so many things. and, And I've had the chance to work with you on the podcast, and it's been so amazing to watch Frontline grow. So I'm stoked to be here, and I can't wait to ask you this question. Justin, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great podcast.
1: I think the thing for us is something that you taught us, which is the prep call. Um, Doing a prep call before we actually have the interview, I think has been critical. It allows the guests to be more comfortable. Probably something like 90% of the guests on my show are recording their first podcast interview. Wow. So they've they've got some jitters coming into that process and having that prep call, having a chance to get to meet them, get to know them a little bit. In most cases, we've never met before the prep call. So it takes a lot of that awkwardness away going directly from LinkedIn to the the prep call. uh, It it provides a really good transition and it really lets us frame the conversation, set their expectations. I start most of those with a joke. I ask them, you know, what caused you to say yes to some stranger who reached out to you on the internet? And, you know, they kind of... They they typically chuckle about that, but that is the truth. That is how this has happened, right? We reached out on LinkedIn and said, hey, I know you've never met me before, but would you like to come and be on my podcast, right? So it's when they get on the prep call, it's a good way for us to just say, hey, what, what caused you to do that? And you usually get some pretty good insights from the guest. And they often tell me, they researched me, they researched the show. They weren't sure if I was a scammer, right? Which is great. That's what I'm looking for. But then they they come around, they say, I've listened to a couple of the episodes and I've got some real thoughts about things that I'd like to share on the show. So wow. before we've even gotten together, a lot of times just having the prep call in advance has created a great circumstance for them to go and, and figure a few things out about us. And then we get to talk about it on the prep call and, and get them comfortable. So I would say that's the probably the most important strategy. And we have you and your team to thank for helping us you know, put that in motion.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate that. It, the idea of that question you add... Uh, and it's a fun joke, and I and I bet you're asking every time. That's like it, it, it hits. So I'm gonna, and that's that. I do that too. That's awesome. But it's yeah. it, what an interesting question where you're finding out what you know what, and that helps with the selection process too. Like, and that'll help you get additional guests because you know what's in the mind of those guests. And sometimes if you don't have click traffic or they don't reply to your messages, you don't know what's in their head. And so it sounds like they are researching you and the show. That's interesting. We always wonder that, right? Like, well, what's in their mind, but they do.
1: I did wonder, and that's why I started asking the question. And when I started to get some really good insights from that, I said, okay, this just needs to be my first question out of the gate. I mean, literally, we typically start with, hello, I'm Justin. It's good to meet you, Casey. Tell me what caused you to say yes to some stranger who looked you up on the internet. And what's really interesting is the insights that they share, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes get immediately into their psyche a little bit. They say things like, well, I've actually had a lot on my mind and some of my colleagues aren't really hearing us about this one topic. And when you reached out to do a podcast, I thought it might be a good form for me to communicate about this. Right? Oh, okay. that's That's pretty interesting. So what is it that you're looking to communicate with your colleagues that you don't feel like you have another form to do? Sometimes it's just that, hey, I'm trying to raise my you know, professional profile a little bit, and I've never been asked to be on a podcast before, but thought this would be a great way to do that. Awesome. Okay, how can we work together to raise your profile? Here are some of the things that would be great. When the podcast is over, we're going to give you some tools to help promote it. Here are some best practices to make sure that you can fully, you know, achieve your your outcomes from this process. So. Just right out of the gate, we start having a productive conversation about what's going on inside their mind. Then we, you know, obviously within that 30-minute prep call, I have to circle it back around to getting a little bit more granular about the topics. But it also gives me an opportunity then to explain who I am, why in the world I'd even start this podcast. I always say, like, this isn't my day job, right? I have another day job. Let me tell you a little bit about that day job and let me tell you about some of the challenges that we have running that company in that day job. And what caused us to ultimately lead to wanting to have a podcast to build a community around this. And usually at that point, I can see their head nodding. I can see that, yeah, I can imagine why you'd have a hard time. But I've, I've also gotten a chance to tell them a little bit about my company and what we're doing. And in that intro, I'm also explaining the types of challenges that we're solving in my day job Yeah, and also the types of things that we're looking to talk about on the show. And, you know, I also do tell them at that time, in case you and I talked about this when we first met, it's important to me to maintain integrity. This is something that we're doing as part of, you know, I pay for this from the marketing budget from my company, Mm -hmm. but this isn't just an overt advertisement for our business. It is a way to, to build a network and to build a community around the business. And I assure them of that because one of the things that I have heard from all of our guests is that they are getting spammed Like crazy on LinkedIn and in email. And so they're hesitant to participate. Some of them might have some apprehension because they feel like they're getting sucked into some kind of marketing vortex thing. Right. And I want to be very careful that that's not the feeling that we're giving them on the prep call and in the podcast. And so we talk about that. And I say, listen, you know, would I love for you to become a potential customer for someday? Of course I would. I'm the CEO of a technology startup. I want everybody to become a potential customer someday, right? So there's no hiding behind that, but that's not what this show is about. The show is about you and your wisdom and the things that you share and the best practices that you've learned. And we want to build a community around those topics. And if some percentage of you also end up you know, becoming a customer of ours also, that's awesome but let's make this show about you and your experience and, and the best practices that you've developed that will allow us all to be successful. So it's taken me a little while to get comfortable speaking about the business and our intent and mm-hmm. what we're hoping to do for them. But I think those things have been really important to setting the stage right so that we don't have to feel like there's any awkwardness as we go into that conversation and you know talking about our business, their business, et cetera. Right, man, uh,
0: so glad this is a recorded podcast because I you know I've heard and I've heard we've chatted and but I've also heard you share bits of that, and it's such a great balance of honesty transparency. Look, this is we we are intentionally, you know, see, searching for you and you and you because you're in the industry that we're in. But that's not what this is about. And the way you even said that, I'm so glad it's recorded because we can all learn from that to be open and transparent and but also show them that it really is about them. It is about the guest and not about you. That's really cool. I'm glad you shared that. It was like, it's either that or I needed to sneak into one of your prep calls. So it was one of the two. (laughs) I'm glad
1: I was able to share it.
0: Yeah. So talk to me about this. You mentioned that about 90% and I'll hold you to that stat. No, you 90% of the people... You talk to it's often their first podcast. Mm -hmm. What kind of things are you seeing from new new podcasts or new guests, if you will?
1: There's a discomfort in the unknown. So many times folks that have never been on a podcast before really have no idea about the the behind-the-scenes process. And It's natural for them to feel a little anxious about that. So part of what we accomplish in that prep call is we're using the exact same technology. We're using Zoom exactly like you and I are doing today, right? So we're using Zoom and I'm able to reaffirm with them that we're going to use Zoom in the podcast. So first thing is done. Your video looks good. Your audio sounds good. Hey, you may not want to use that wired headset brushing up against your collar, but other than that, (laughs) everything's fine, right? Just those types of things. Yeah. But we're able to kind of settle all of those things. The other thing that they ask me is they often ask me, well, what questions are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about that. you know. And, and as you know, we set up the show with a bit of a standard outline that we're going to run through with most guests. Right. I warn all of them. I actually have started sending them a version of that outline, particularly if I see that they're really nervous about getting caught. With a, a curveball of some sort, I send them a list of the questions, and I'm like, "Guys, this is—it's really not that big of a deal. These are there's no preparation required. The questions that we're looking for, that we'll be asking, and the answers that we're expecting, are things that you'll likely know off the top of your head. But I send them the list of kind of high level topics. Um, sometimes in advance, if I notice that there's apprehension even before the prep call, I'll show them those questions. And then what I always say is, "Listen, we're we're probably going to go off course a little bit on a couple of these things because I'm mm-hmm. curious and." You're likely going to say something that's going to make me not want to jump to the next question on the list, but go down that particular path. But it's going to be conversational, just like the the prep call that we're having right now. I often start off, you know, it sounds like I'm such a dad joke teller, but I I, I have some of the same like goofy comments that I make all the time. Hey, I'm not an investigative journalist. I am not a professional podcaster, and what I mean by that is I'm not trying to make my living with podcasts, right? Mm. And so you and I are really on the same level here. I just happen to be on this side of the host-guest relationship and you happen to be on the guest side. But like, hey, we're both just two professionals wanting to share and learn from one another. So it seems to me that that helps with some of those guests that are... The guests that are first-timers and nervous about it, it seems to really help uh, you know, take away some of their anxiety. So I, I would say, I think... Even if there was no other benefit to the prep call, and I think there are, but even if there were not any other benefits, I think for that purpose alone, it just gets people really comfortable. And then we have a really good transition into the actual interview when we get to that part.
0: And when they're prepared like that, they're able to just talk and be comfortable. And to your point, they already know what the subject is. You're asking them yeah. something in their wheelhouse and then they're, they're set up for success.
1: Yes, one of the other things i do on the prep call and this is really important to me and i want to tell anybody else who's doing podcasts i think interrupting guests or talking over a guest in your podcast is maybe one of the worst things that you can do not just for your guests but for the audience listening I, it try listening to a podcaster who's interrupting their guests all the time it's very especially if you're listening audio only It just sounds horrible on the listening side. And it usually just pisses me off because I want to hear, I may still be interested in hearing what the guest was talking about, but the host has now made a decision that I want to hear something different. So that's just one of my pet peeves being a podcast listener. And so I vowed when I got into podcasting that I was not going to be that guy. And I tell my guests that when we're going into this and I say, listen, there are going to be some times when I might need to interject, but I don't want to interrupt you because I really don't like that. And I explain, you know, a short version of what I just described to you. But the reason that we're on video is so that we can see each other's body language. So what you should expect from me is if you tell me, hey, Justin, there are three things that we found were really good best practices and you list one and you list two, I might have a question about number two that I'd really like you to tell us, help clarify before we go on to number three. I'm not just going to talk over you what you'll see is some body language. I'll raise my finger or I'll lean in so that you can visually see that I have another question coming. And it really works like probably greater than 90% of the time when we're in the actual podcast. We've set that expectation for how we're going to work through that. So they can pause because they see me do that. And then I can interject and say, well, you just said on number two, you just said this thing, but did you mean that? Or did you mean this other thing? Oh, okay, great. Now let's come back and, and let's go to number three. So that's something to me that just as a listener of a lot of podcasts, it's always bugged me. And I said, how can I fix that problem, but still make sure that as the host of the show, I have an obligation to make sure that you know the, the guest is communicating in a way that we can all understand. And sometimes it may require me to nudge it back in on track, but I can do that without just talking over somebody or talking a little bit louder so that they'll stop talking. I just think that's an, an annoying thing. So with that prep call, we have an opportunity to talk about that in advance and prep for that a little bit so that when we get into the podcast, there's no awkwardness. I think that's another thing that we've learned from that prep call. Love that instruction. That it's almost like a primer
0: in interviews for people who haven't done them before. You know, if you get some author or something, I'm sure you're, you know, there's some parts you're not needing to go into, but what a great guide for someone who it is their first podcast and they may not understand the social cues or the interview right. cues that I need to interrupt you. Also, I love about that comment is it's so meta, the show, because as soon as you tell me that interrupting is the worst thing ever, now I'm like, oh, dear God, I can't interrupt. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I can't do that because everyone will be like, what an asshole. Come cannot-
1: <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn I I did I've never done any of those polls on LinkedIn but I did yeah. this a few weeks ago and I said should podcast hosts interrupt their guests and the three possible answers were no hell no and no freaking way I I actually got some people to argue with me, which was not my intent. My point was <laughs> the only right answer is no, you shouldn't ever interrupt your guests. But some people actually responded back and were like, well, there are certain times when it's appropriate to interrupt and guide the conversation back. I'm like, no, that's I'm just I'm really not asking a question. I'm telling you my opinion. You shouldn't interrupt your guests. So yeah, that's, there's, that's yeah. it. <laughs> there's
0: like an e it's like an ego thing sometimes, or just it, it sounds cleaner and whatever you're about to say. You can wait. And then the thing I struggle with sometimes is I like to, my active listening is like saying yes and, and agreeing, but you also got to restrict that too, right? You can't just keep verbally saying yes to someone like we might do in normal life because then the, the video is going to switch over to them. You're going to hear two different noises on your headphones. It's a little different than normal conversation.
1: That is. Completely correct, and I found that in my first few podcasts, you're reminding me of something. This goes back probably you know sixty episodes or so, but I tend to be an active listener, as you described, and I'm verbal in that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm you know I'm making a lot of expressions. To sh- I, it's not even really something I think I was doing consciously. It was just something part of my active listening. It sounds like crap on a podcast, yeah, right. And so when I would listen back to our our shows just to see like does this sound good on the show. Uh, I realized that was something that I had to change. So yes, I'm I'm a chatty guy. I think most of us that are podcasting we're we're chatty. We have a lot of energy. We have a lot of enthusiasm about the things that we're talking about. So this is required an unusual amount of restraint <laughs> for for me to get better at that part. But I also think it's it's very meaningful for the guest that again this is a form for them to share their thoughts. And if they want to ramble for a couple extra seconds because they're having a hard time maybe putting the right words together or they've just got a lot in their mind. This this is partly for them, right? I want them to have that opportunity. So let them ramble for a couple of extra seconds and then I'll circle it back around. And I tell the guests on the show I'm never going to interrupt you. If you get long-winded on a couple of things, I'm not going to interrupt you. What it means is that I'll have less time to ask you more questions mm-hmm. in, in the show because the yeah. show is going to have to end at the 45-minute mark or so. So I won't be able to ask you as many questions, but I'm not going to interrupt you. And I have had one guest that I think I only asked him two or three questions for the whole show. You know, he can, he kind of went on, you know, but he was telling really good stories and I let it ride for a while. And I think it was still a good show. He was a different kind of person than other guests who give me two sentence answers, but the show isn't really to reflect my personality. Each show is an opportunity to reflect the personality of the guest. And so the one guy that rambled and somebody else is a little bit short, that's okay. It comes through in the podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah yeah and there's some tips and training for people who use filler words and in the and the recommendation is don't do nothing. fill that filler word with a pause right and and I think that same kind of thing ties in here, and I've found that sometimes letting the guests say something and not saying anything adds even more drama to it because everyone can hear it clearly. Sometimes I just want to throw a yes in there, but other times, very rarely though, right? It's like, it's like intentional. I'm going to say yes right now. Otherwise I just let it ride.
1: Yeah. And and I do think there have been some conversations where I think it flows a little bit more naturally. You know, you said before, if we were sitting in the same room, just having an in-person conversation, it just depends on the guest, but yeah. I have now more experience than my guests doing this so it is my job to figure out which guests we can have a little bit more interactivity back and forth and which ones going to give me two or three sentences of an answer and then stop talking and then that's my time to you know come back in and guide them so it's it's taken a little bit of getting used to it is definitely different you know you and I are similar in that we've probably had a lot of experience being in in person meetings and and doing speaking engagements and things like that. And so there's a different way of communicating there. It does require a little bit of, of different thinking about it, um, but it's, it's really been a great experience to, to have that session with the guests up front, get them comfortable. And then when we get over to the podcast, it just makes everything flow better. There's nothing quite like a prepped,
0: prepped comfortable guest right. <laughs> who you've met right. before. And it's like seeing an old friend-ish that you can just launch into it. It's-
1: yeah, exactly.
0: It cuts out a lot of that. I mean, people talk about a Rogan and whatnot, it was three hours, but that's because the first 30 minutes they're drinking whiskey and they're trying to loosen up. He's trying to get the guy to just, you know, what you not, what you don't see is maybe the tour of the cool new studio and all the cool sculptures and souvenirs and swords that you're seeing to try to build a rapport with someone. So really there is some prep happening that we just don't see for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to shift a little bit because there's something that I know you're passionate about with this. And it was coming out right at the very beginning when we we're talking strategy. And the, even the idea of some of your guests saying that there was no other place, there's no other forum to do this. And and a lot is on my mind. And it and it felt very much like it feels very much like you're building a movement toward a direction that's greater than you and even the guests. And there's a word that you said maybe five or six times community. So could you talk to me about what a community means and and tell me what you're building around the podcast?
1: Yeah, and it didn't start off like this. I don't remember when we implemented this, to be honest with you, but we were probably 20 or 30 episodes into the series. Mm. And I had a bit of an epiphany where I realized that we made all, all this effort to bring this guest together. We've gone through the prep call and we've now gone through the podcast. And a few things came to to realization at that point. Number one, this might be the last time I ever talked to this person. And that's really a shame because we just invested all this time getting to know one another, but there's no structure in place for us to stay in touch. The other thing, and I, I don't think I shared this with you before, it almost felt like I was the beneficiary of getting to hear this person's wisdom. And to anybody that listened to the podcast, you know, we started off with a very limited audience. And I felt like there was an opportunity to share that person with others. And that actually, it it sounds a little bit corny hearing the words coming out of my mouth, but I really felt like, man, this is a really neat person I just met today. God, they've got some really cool things that they're talking about. They're solving some problems in really unique ways, or they have a certain amount of energy that I've just never seen somebody have before. And I don't want to keep that all to myself. There's got to be a way to get all these people together. So we came up with the idea of creating what we now call the Frontline Innovators Council. And the council is a private group that we've set up in LinkedIn. We debated this endlessly. Should it be on Facebook? Should it be somewhere else? Should it be on Reddit? We, you know, Where should this group be? But we met almost every single one of our guests on LinkedIn. So we decided LinkedIn was the right place to do this. So we have a private group. It's invite only on LinkedIn called the Frontline Innovators Council. And every single guest of our podcast, once they've done the podcast, that afternoon, I invite them to come and participate. And that's really been a game changer. So now we have 80 or so people that have been guests on the podcast. So they all fit the same profile. They're all people in change management and IT project implementations, They're in learning and development. So all all the people that kind of make up this community, they all are like one another, right? They have similar roles, different companies. We have people from Pepsi and from Coke. We have people from uh, Sprouts and Whole Foods. You know, it's, it's really kind of interesting to get all of these, you know, sort of competing brands into a single place where we all get to share as professionals. Nobody talks about their company. It doesn't matter about their company. It's about what they're experiencing. In an organization where they have a disproportionate number of frontline workers, and they're all struggling with technology adoption with those workers. So we've now created a forum. What we found, a lesson learned here, is the LinkedIn group gets very little engagement, which is still a head scratcher for me because we met all these people on LinkedIn, and yet we've had a really hard time getting any collaboration on LinkedIn. So the follow-up step that we did to that was we created what we call the First Friday Um, so I don't even, we just call it first Friday. That's it. First Friday. There's no additional descriptor. It's a first Friday meeting. So the first Friday of every month around midday in most time zones, we have a one hour session where we invite all members of the frontline innovators council to come together. And we started off doing it where I thought we would need to have formal presenters. My knee jerk reaction was to say, oh, we need to give them some Hmm. inherent value. We need moderators. Yeah. We needed to have more, I don't want to say formality, but structure is what we thought was the right thing. And so the first couple of times we did this, that's exactly how we did it. I went back to one of the guests and I said, Hey, you know, guest number seven, you know, you mentioned some really cool things on the podcast. I'd love for you to do a presentation about that topic. Right. And so for the first few times we did that, it worked out really well. Then we did a survey And we surveyed all of the people and we got, I don't know, a couple dozen responses back from folks what they were looking for. We said, you know, what are you really looking for in this session? And the number one thing that everybody came back with is I just basically want to be able to shoot the shit with the other industry peers that are struggling with the same challenges and trying to find solutions. So we were like, okay, wait a second. We can host this community and we don't have to organize speakers and figure (laughs) out agendas and all this other stuff. So like it actually got a lot easier. And instantly, once we set it up that way, we started getting more attendees. And so now we have anywhere from 10 to probably 15, maybe the most we've had is 18 people showing up, but we have really, really rich conversations. And what we do is we take topics that we've witnessed in the business, in our business, in my day job, and we take Topics that we've heard from the podcast or things that we've seen on LinkedIn. Or sometimes we just ask the community, what do you guys want to talk about? And it's really funny, Casey. Most of the time, we get one, maybe two topics out on the floor and it takes up the whole hour. And before you know it, we're at the 57-minute mark and we're like, well, geez, we can't talk about another topic now because we've almost done, right? We're almost done. So that to me has turned out to be the most rewarding part of this whole exercise. The podcast is fantastic, but the community that we're developing in and around the podcast has turned out to be just you know profoundly impactful to us. We're learning and we're able to share our learnings because I meet with other companies that aren't necessarily on the podcast and so we're learning things from them and we're able to just kind of share that back in with this community. We've had a few people that have lost jobs or had to leave their jobs for one reason or another and they're networking with other people in the Frontline Innovators Council. Oh wow! Um, I Just this week, I was able to make an introduction between two members of the Frontline Innovators Council. I just interviewed somebody on the podcast this week. They mentioned a couple of things. And right after the podcast, I was like, you have to meet so-and-so because she's dealing with some of those same things, women in manufacturing. I think you guys would be great together. So I just made an introduction to those two folks. So building a community around it and just really being generous so that everybody can find value in that community together. We'll get what we need from that. We just want to be smarter every day. <laughs> we just yeah. want to learn from what's happening. And so I have all of these fantastic companies that are sharing their biggest challenges and their biggest frustrations. And we get to be the facilitators of a forum where they can come to get some answers. And I can't think of anything you know, more rewarding than that from a professional standpoint. It's been a really fantastic part of the podcast.
0: Amazing. So we've got... A, you've got a group, in this case, on LinkedIn, not so much traffic on LinkedIn. I've heard that about LinkedIn groups. I don't know what's wrong with them. Uh, would Would you change it? Have you changed it? Would you put it on Facebook or Slack or any other tool?
1: I've thought about it. We've been busy, so I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. But, but a couple of times it's come across my mind and I've wondered if we should move it over to another platform. When we originally solicited some feedback about platforms in that survey. And a lot of people told us they weren't on Facebook or just weren't active there. Mm. And we knew that 100% of the guests were at least on LinkedIn. They may not be terribly active, but we, since we found them on LinkedIn, we know that they're at least there and they at least occasionally would respond to outreach there. So we haven't really investigated this. Um, what we are seeing, another silly little thing that happened, and I mentioned this to you recently, we record all of our podcast episodes on Zoom. Um, Because it has better recording capabilities and things like that. It turns out that most of our community work in global 2000 companies. And there's been a pretty big shift over the last year for those global 2000 companies moving over to Teams, because Teams is included in your subscription for O365 with Microsoft and Zoom is not. Right. right.
0: Why pay for something for 10,000 employees you that you don't or 100,000 that you don't need to?
1: <laughs> exactly. And many of those same companies have actually shut down access to Zoom on their corporate laptops and stuff. So, when we first started the frontline innovators council calls on Friday, the first Friday calls, we were hosting them on Zoom because we said, well, this is the easiest way to do it because the, all we met all these people on a Zoom call. But there was some friction when we did that with the Zoom calls. They were having to set it up on their iPhone or set it up on their iPad and prop their iPad up in their home office. And they were joining on Zoom to make the podcast work because they had to, because that was the only option that we gave them. Right. And when it came into the first Friday sessions, what we realized is the path of less resistance was to just set it up with Teams. We use Teams internally at my company. So it was actually mm-hmm. easier for us. It was easier for them. Nobody had to install any special things in their browser wow. or anything else. And so that was just another one of those like silly little sources of friction. So I don't know the answer to your question about social platforms. Can we get more engagement on the social platforms? You know, we see engagement from the community. It's just not in the group. The engagement from the community is in the open part of LinkedIn. Uh, On the the general feed kind of thing. Yeah, just the general feed. So I see, you know, when we're posting stuff from my company, when I'm posting things like that, I see our podcast guests in this community interacting with that other content and commenting and things like that. Right. It's just not in that private group. We thought that the private group might have extra value because we made it private and we felt that it might free people up to feel comfortable talking about things in that group that they wouldn't want necessarily posted publicly. Yep. One question that came up on a Friday call was, I'm having a really hard time getting some things across to my senior leadership. They don't understand this, 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 and that. How are you all in the community addressing that problem? Mm. That's something that you would ask in a closed door roundtable conversation that you may not want to post on LinkedIn because all those senior leaders can see that post on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So we thought that having a private group might be the way to open that door. And we haven't cracked that code yet, but mm-hmm. we have cracked it in the open forum on the first Friday calls. People are talking about those things very freely. So maybe the answer is maybe it's not social media. Maybe the answer is old fashioned social interaction on a video conference.
0: Yeah. Or like an old school message board, or it makes me wonder, you know, if, if you found success on Microsoft's meeting platform, do they have their Slack killer? What what is that?
1: Well, they use teams, you know, teams is their messaging platform. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, you mentioned that we notice we use teams at work, but we use for video conferencing, but we use Slack for messaging. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of these guests, they use Teams, like they are actively messaging inside a meeting. We're in a meeting and people are using all of the gestures. They're raising their hand. They're sending smiley faces. They're doing all those <laughs> kinds of things in a meeting session. Wow. And that's something that my team and I don't do in Teams. We do all that stuff in Slack because it's we Slack. have both. Yeah. So it's interesting. It, you, you raise a good point, though. Maybe we should be finding a better way to create, you know, that collaborative environment outside that one hour per month. Maybe we should do something to teams. So we need to. Yeah, think I about
0: wonder, that. right? Because it, because I'm a, I'm a, like a Slack guy too, and I know that in Slack you can add people and other accounts into yep. your account. So maybe yep. there's some that interesting. You know, fo- I love the the trend though. Follow them where they're at.
1: Yeah, that that's really the big thing. Is we just wanted just much like we talk about our business every day. We want to remove friction from engagement. We want to make it as easy as possible to collaborate. And so let's break down those barriers. Let's not put false barriers to participation in the way. And if that meant using teams, that's awesome. And if that meant taking away the formal presentations and just creating an open forum, that's awesome too. And so I I would say by far, that's been the the most important part of our our podcast strategy. Amazing.
0: So many people I've talked to have that challenge where... They've made some great friends, even after a podcast. I don't know if you felt this where you have just an amazing episode and then you hit, you're done recording and then you just kind of want to hang out. Sometimes they have time too and you both just hang out. Sometimes they got to go and I felt leaving like, oh, you, you left. I, <laughs> like, I kind of needed to like chill yeah. out with you for a second because we just did this thing just now.
1: Totally agree. I, I have people, I still have people that I've had at the podcast that I'd really like to hire in our business someday. Yeah. Um I, you know, I've had all of those reactions to meeting new people. One thing that I have found and and I guess it's come to me a little bit more consciously lately is as I'm talking with somebody, I'm immediately thinking who can I connect them with that's in my network where they together outside of me would find value in one another. And I wouldn't say that that's like a dialed in mechanical process by any stretch, but it's just something that I'm kind of looking for cues to say, is there someone else, particularly in the Frontline Innovators Council that I can interview or excuse me, introduce this guest to where they would get value um, just meeting one another. And that really feels good to me. And I hope it feels good for the people that are being introduced. It just, I love the idea of knowing that I'll be able to introduce them and hopefully they can go kick it off and have a great conversation. I've introduced vendors, like people that are in the technology side of things that have been on the podcast to potential prospects for them on the show. Mm. Um, and that is awesome, right? We make sure that the show or the the community doesn't become a place for all these vendors that we've had on the show to, to just start pitching all these prospects. <laughs> right, right. We, we want to maintain integrity there. But we had one person talk on one of those first Friday sessions and she said, Hey, we're trying to solve this, 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 and this. And I'm thinking to myself, one of our other guests has a tech platform that does that, 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 and that. Like I need to get them together. And so right after that show, I went back to that guest and I said, Hey, if you don't mind, you, you know, you mentioned this on the show. I didn't want to turn the whole conversation today into a pitch for that company. But if you're interested, if that's a problem that you'd like to solve, I know somebody who may be able to solve it. Let's put you in touch. And that that doesn't serve me personally it doesn't serve our business it doesn't necessarily serve the podcast but to me it just kind of helps make the earth keep rotating on its axis and um you know if, if there's an opportunity from either of those people it'll circle back around and that's just the way the world works so
0: you seem you seem more even though you're saying you're you're working on this particular thing it seems like you're more attuned to this than a lot of people i've met and almost like you've worked that muscle of contribution and impact in the people around you more than anyone else, has the podcast enabled you to, to do more of that, connect more people?
1: Yeah. I think that's always been a part of who I am, mm-hmm. but I haven't always had a forum where I'm meeting as many people as I am and able to get as intimate with the guests as I'm able to get through a 30-minute prep call and a one-hour podcast. So it creates a circumstance that some things that feel pretty natural to me anyway, I'm getting to know these folks. I'm getting to know what's important to them. I'm getting to know the problems that they're solving in their business. I mean, keep in mind, this is somebody I've known at this point for less than two hours total, right. but I know a hell of a lot more than that, about them than I would know if I met them at a conference or something like that for 15 minutes you know, on a coffee break. So, And the, the interaction that we're having tends mm-hmm. to be deeper than what I'd have in that yeah. same coffee break example. right? When you're at an event, you tend to talk about the topic of the event. You know, I'm going to a learning technology conference next week in Vegas and most of the conversations are going to be about learning technology. And we're not going to deep dive into their personal backgrounds and what some of their right. challenges are, right? We'll be talking about that, but in the context of kind of work topics. And so the podcast opens up that to give a, a broader perspective. And so it it gives me a way to do something that feels really good to me. And I hope mm-hmm. it feels good to them. And it does feed that process. You know, just seeing this is funny, Casey, that you're kind of bring this up, but seeing our podcast guests interact with other podcast guests on social media, like, yeah, a, I was just going to ask you that. That is freaking cool. Yeah. You know, that's cool. Just to know that we were part of making those introductions. Can I put some kind of ROI analysis around, you know, does that pay for the cost of the podcast? I have no freaking idea and I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it it feels good to me. It feels like we're doing the right thing, and you know what goes around comes around. Whatever, if if there's a benefit to be had in you know the universe, then great, it'll come back. And if not, the benefit's already been given to the people that are now connecting. So that's that's awesome to me. It it
0: doesn't. It just shrinks that world so much when I see those two people, and it's like, wait a minute, like I I like you, and I I like you too, and you're both commenting on each other's thing, and now you've met each other, and this is. Oh, maybe so they get on each other's podcasts eventually, too. And you're just like, awesome. wow, you're the best two people I'd love to have talk to each other. So this is really fun for me to watch that happen. And you were sort of that spark that got people connected.
1: Yep. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you know, the truth is, they may forget how they came to know one another two months after it happens, right? Yeah. Uh, that's okay, too, right? Um, I'm not doing that for me, other than it, there, I guess there's a selfish element. It makes me feel good. Yeah, But I'm not doing it because I expect some actual tangible value in return for it. Um, It just feels like it's a great way to do it. And I hope others... And I've had this happen to me. I've had people that have reached out. I was just thinking about this this morning, somebody who uh, may be coming on the board with our company. Actually, I met through sort of a random introduction from another guy who's a mentor. And he just texted me one day and he said, hey, you need to call so-and-so. Here's his number. And I started dialing the number and I didn't even know why I was calling. And left, <laughs> I left the guy a message and then I went back to the person originally and I said, so tell me again why I needed to reach out. Like I've already reached out, but tell me why again, <laughs> yeah. I should do it. And so I just think that's, I don't need a lot of excuses to want to meet new people. And I also don't need a lot to want to share. So,
0: so powerful. Talk to me about, I mean, we're, we're hearing that the, the personal value and you can just feel that you're in your zone and you're doing your thing like this, is, you're, you're definitely... Geared for this. Talk to me about the business and the success you've had around the business, and then tie that into you know those successes. And then, what would you tell someone who has had this on their list and they have been kind of kicking it around, not sure if they should do it?
1: Let me answer the second part first. Sure, you should hire an agency like Casey's mm-hmm. agency. I know this isn't an ad platform for Ringmaster, but um. You should really hire an agency to get started. Um, it, it's There are a lot of moving parts to getting this underway. And unless this is going to be your primary thing, if you have another business to run or you have you know a full-time job responsibility and you're trying to weave this in, it's going to take a lot of time and you're going to need some help. So first recommendation, we knew that we weren't going to be able to do this on our own. I wasn't uncomfortable about things like being able to interview people. I felt pretty comfortable with that. You helped give us some structure about how we should go about the process, but I'm not new to doing sure. you know, these kinds of conversations. Those weren't the things that were concerning to me, but it was just like the whole process of having first we do this, then we do that. We've got all of these different steps in the process, follow up with guests um, just the whole thing we knew was going to be overwhelming if we tried to tackle it ourselves. So go get some help, hire an agency like Ringmaster, hire a person on your team, whatever you need to do. You're going to need some support because if you're a busy executive that is in a position to probably host a podcast like this, you probably already have your entire day filled and it's hard to, to break it out. You asked me when when we first met, what percentage of your time would you be willing to spend on podcasts? And you know, I kind of jokingly said, listen, if I'm talking to people that fit this profile, I'd spend most of every waking moment <laughs> doing these things, right? Partly right. because as you've called out, this feels good to me anyway, but also it's really helpful for me to just get smart on our business. And, and I'm I'm talking to people that may not become an actual prospect, but they represent potential prospects. And so whether they're in market or not, for me, for what I need to get out of it, I'm learning. I'm hearing the things that are causing them concerns and all of those kinds of things. So for all of those reasons, it just really um, I, that's where I want to focus my time. I didn't want to focus my time on the administrative part of you know launching this and figuring out how to get the podcast to syndicate across you know, Spotify and Amazon Podcasts or whatever, right? Right So that's, that's the first thing. Um, in terms of what's been successful, I think really getting things dialed in on LinkedIn I think has been profoundly impactful to us. We have learned a lot about our business, we've learned a lot about people, we've learned a lot about who in the organization wants to talk about this. And you know, my second thing on my list is being specific with guest profiles. You know, we started down this path thinking That the people that wanted to talk about the problems that we solve worked in certain departments in these organizations and it was really interesting casey you may remember at one Mm -hmm. time you and i had to sit down and i was like man i don't think this is working we're having a hard time getting guests on the show and i thought we weren't going to be able to move past that and i said but before we give up let's try this other persona and we switched personas And, you know, I think over the course of the next few months, our team and your team together booked, you know, 50 plus episodes. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, wait a second. That's great. Okay. We just, we helped the podcast. We're keeping the podcast moving. (laughs) We're building the community. Sure. But holy shit, that was also a profound message for us to get from the marketplace about who inside a global 2000 company wants to talk about this problem and who doesn't. That, like, that was the most important lesson that we have probably learned from the podcast. And so that profiling, I, I think, if your goal is to learn and you're experimenting in your business and experimenting, building a community around this, the profiling cannot be um, taken, you know, very lightly. It has to be deliberate and thoughtful about how you're targeting folks on LinkedIn and really thinking about how that influences the personas that you want to be talking with.
0: You have always been some of the you know, the most deliberate in the persona descriptions and targeting. Sometimes we've worked with people who are like, ah, like this, or uh, you know very vague descriptions. You were always very zeroed in. And it was such a interesting inflection point to see the world open up when you zeroed in on someone. And thinking as like an old school marketer, we all could have been spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on events and in campaigns and slogans and tchotchkes to the wrong people. And we found out very quickly those people did not want to be on a podcast, talk about this topic. This wasn't their topic, but man, everything sort of opened up when you moved over there. What's your biggest tip around personas and around targeting people for a podcast?
1: I'm going to say this is an answer to your question, but it also answers a question that you didn't ask, Mm. which is the persona of the people that will consider innovative technology startups. It's not enough to find people that have the problem And even people that have the problem and know about it, right? We talk in marketing about problem awareness, right? That's a big leap sometimes. So they could have the problem and not be aware of it. So that's, you know, kind of phase one and phase two. The third thing is they have to have the will to want to champion a new way of doing things. That is, we've realized that in our business, that Every company we talk to, like literally to this day, we've been running this for several years now. I haven't come across a Global 2000 company who says, oh no, Justin, the problem that you're talking about, like we already have a solution for that. We've been using this other vendor. We've been doing right. it this way. We have the standard operating procedure. Like, we never hear that. That doesn't mean every company that we talk to becomes a customer because not every time we're meeting the right people with the will to champion a new solution. I would say the same is true about the podcast. So... To be a little bit more specific for those who may be listening, the, the thing that changed for us was we went from talking with IT and operations folks who actually are experiencing the problem every day that, that we solve in our business and that we wanted to talk about our frontline innovators, but they, they truly just lacked the passion in most cases, right? There were exceptions. We had a few of these exceptions on the show early on, some people that I already knew that we brought into the show. Those were exceptions though in their categories. They're not representative of their peers. And when we switched over to people with organizational change management backgrounds, what we found is that they kind of sit between IT and operations and learning and development. They understand all the dynamics of that group. And it's also a really freaking passionate group of professionals. They are evangelists for the need to think about and be deliberate with change management. So when you ask somebody like that and say, hey, would you would you like to come on a podcast and talk about some of your best practices? Like they're leaping through the Zoom <laughs> session. To yeah. Say like, "Well, wait a second. Are you actually telling me you're going to give me an audience and a soapbox to stand on for 45 minutes? Like, hell yes, I'm interested in that, right? Well, that's what we needed. We needed people who actually were passionate about these things and wanted to talk about them on a show. But what we also realize in our business is that those are also the people that we should be targeting because they get the problem. They they understand the intellectual element of the the problem and potential solutions for it. But they also are like super passionate about doing things a different way. Like literally, the word change is in their title, right? So they're looking for new ways of doing things and they're solving problems for doing things a different way inside a you know a behemoth organization. And they've got all these constraints to help make that happen. And they're evangelizing inside with their peers, all of their stakeholders about why we need to consider doing things differently. So they're really experts at how to communicate, and they want to talk to other experts to say, "Well, how are you doing this in your company, and what are you finding to be an effective way to communicate?" And, and you know, particularly with us and frontline uh, workers, we we talk a lot about this, like. It may work to use email to communicate with your accounting department, but the men and women on the front lines often don't have email. And if they do, nobody checks it, right? They may check it once a month. So, okay, what are you guys doing that makes it easier for you to communicate to these frontline folks? So they're actually thinking about those types of things. We would not have learned that at least in the time that we did without the podcast. And so I, I would say it helped us really... I mean, Casey, I'll never forget the interaction that you and I had about this because I was really worried. I was so excited that we'd started this podcast and I really became nervous that it just wasn't going to work. And when we were able to make that one tweak and we saw like an exponential responsiveness to that, it told us everything that we needed to know. And and we wouldn't have learned that if we hadn't been very deliberate about our targeting inside LinkedIn to really learn, you know, what's going to connect and what's not. So amazing. I imagine all the rest of the strategy
0: around even the company itself, you were able to redirect it and and point it in that same direction because you'd had your scouts, you would had the podcast to scout it out. And now it's like, okay, let's bring the full weight of this company in that direction to support these people. These like champion these people who were there for you. Yeah. Completely.
1: Yeah. And and the other stakeholders that we were reaching out to, or, or the potential guests that we were reaching out to remain stakeholders in. In my day job, it's skillful, but they're not the ones that are talking about it. They're not the agents for change inside their organization. They're probably trying to avoid this conversation, actually, mm, in a lot of sure. cases, right? And so it really helped us, you know, kind of think through the psychology a little bit of well, we know that these people are experiencing this problem, but Why are they not interested in coming to talk about it on a podcast? Well, it turns out they really don't even want to talk about it at work, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like like the last thing that they want to do is add an extra hour to their day to also talk about it on a podcast. They're wishing that this wasn't their responsibility. They're wishing that this wasn't a problem. Like they just want this thing to go away. And change management folks are the ones that are leaning into this. and, And they are just to generalize a little bit, they're an incredibly curious bunch and they're a very passionate bunch, and they have strong empathy for humans. Well, Frontline Innovators talks about people. That's what we talk about, right? So it was just all of a sudden it became like, I don't know. I actually kind of looked at it at one point. And I was like, why the hell didn't we figure this out sooner? We're dumbasses that it took us this long to figure this out. But I'm glad that we figured it out when we did. And I, I
0: can even hear you as a CEO and a leader being the voice for the customer in being the voice for these people and representing them because you've spoken to so many of them. And you're, I mean, listening to you talk, who doesn't want to be in change management after hearing you talk about yeah. how passionate they are. So I, I feel the strength of you being connected to that. And I can't imagine all the things that tie into it.
1: If time wasn't working against me, I would go get my change management like credentials because I've learned so much from the practitioners that I've had on the show They've helped me understand their role and the empathy that they deliver in their profession. and it's made me very interested in it. And so now I hear myself counseling customers and just you know other people at speaking engagements or you know just other events and things like that. And I, we're talking about this, right? We're talking about change management. And a lot of what I've learned, I've never sat through a single formal workshop on change management, but I've I've been essentially through fifty one on one clinics,
0: <laughs> yeah, with with industry
1: <laughs> professionals who are really experts at this, and they have a lot of the certifications, and they they know about AdCar and ProSign, some of the industry jargon that I've come to start now adopting, and almost one hundred percent of that came from my experience as as the host of a podcast. So it's been pretty amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, final question for you, as we run short and
0: short on time. It's around the future of your show. Every 50 episodes or so, show, uh, or so is like an, a year of time for a normal human uh, and a podcast listener. Where do you see this show going? If we chat again, and I hope we do after 50 episodes from now, what do you, what do you see from your show?
1: We've been thinking a lot about this lately to, to try to get that dialed in for the future. We have no immediate plans to change the structure today. But I do think that there's an opportunity to create a little bit more interaction where it doesn't need to just be a one-on-one podcast with me and an individual guest. I would love to find a way to take what we're doing in this private community in our first Friday meetings and see if we can figure out some way to make that forum shareable in in a podcast or live stream format. Yeah. So I have more questions and more erratic, disorganized thoughts about that right now. I don't have a plan, but kind of going back to what I said before, there's um, that the, the value with me and one person having a conversation and then sharing that one-on-one conversation is good, but the people who are listening to the podcast while they're running down the road or whatever they may be doing, doing yard work or whatever, can't ask a question and I wonder what would happen if we turn that into more of a round table conversation and we had people that could be more interactive. It mm. uh, Doesn't necessarily need to be a replacement for the one-on-one podcast. Maybe the way to still fill the funnel with people to participate in the council is to, to still do a one-on-one podcast. But then what if I could take groups of those people and, and bring them back and do a live stream of some sort where we can open the floor up to, to Q&A? Could we grow the community even further? could we meet people that maybe don't want to be on a podcast, but would come to a live session and, and ask a question or two of other people who haven't on the podcast and therefore continue to learn? Because I do think at some point, the the audience is massive. We're never going to run out of people that might be on a podcast, but we're not hitting everybody that could become a part of the community because yeah. a subset of people will just never join a podcast. right? Yeah. So that's something I'd like to, to figure out. And I'd, I'd love to you know, stay in touch over time and see your other podcast guests and and kind of what they're figuring out. Um, But that's the, really the first thing that comes to my mind as I think about where we're going to go going forward.
0: Powerful. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that happen. And and you add the elements of live in there. Justin, how can people get in touch with you, throw out some URLs, um, the show, all of those things?
1: Frontlineinnovators.com is our podcast. And the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn I usually have like four LinkedIn tabs open at any given time on my browser. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if I'm the only one that does that, but it seems like I'm in the middle of you know more than one conversation at any given time on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, my name is Justin Lake. And uh, if you do a search for me, you'll find me.
0: You know, it's, it's totally cool until you're on a podcast and you get a, a LinkedIn message and it blings four times in the middle of your show. It's such a pain in the ass.
1: <laughs> I, I do not understand. I have my machine clamped down. I don't get Slack notifications. I have uh, my Mac is shut down, so I'm not getting any text message alerts. The one thing that creeps through, and Casey, it's funny you're talking about this because I've never, <laughs> never had this conversation with anybody, but the one thing that creeps through is LinkedIn notifications. Yeah. Why does that happen?
0: Bastards. How have they done that? <laughs> I don't know, but they're doing something <laughs> right to
1: get engagement counts up, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, cause I always have the guest's LinkedIn profile up on my screen. It's one of the two tabs. I have my notes sure. and I have their LinkedIn profile so I can scroll through that. And so I can't not have it up, but then when, when a new message comes through, exactly as you said, it starts dinging. Bling. You got to find yeah. that tab. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, that's funny.
0: Justin, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing about community, about moving off of Zoom, moving to where your guests are. I literally have so much notes over here. So much fun. Obviously, we're passionate about this topic. So I can't wait to talk to you again uh, in 50. But thank you so much for being on here.
1: Excellent. Thanks for having me, Casey. It was a good show.
0: All right, everyone. All right. If you've learned something, and I freaking know you have because I literally have two pages of notes right here, front and back. I've run out of paper. I'm in margins. Then share this episode with someone else. One person, three, 9000. That's thought leadership, getting good information into someone else's hands. And with that, Justin, thanks again. Thanks, Casey. All right, everyone. This has been an incredible episode of Creating the Greatest Show. I will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com.